Like us on facebook.com slash WWI podcast and at WWI podcast on Twitter. Drop us a line at weights, what is podcast at yahoo.com. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Internet Radio. Hey folks, you're listening to the Wait What If Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sullivan. Tonight, we're back to the old days again. This is the second episode in a row. I've gone back to just the conversational. I like this. I look forward to this, right? Because it's like you you can sit and chat and talk about some things. And what was happening was I was was stressing over booking people. And and that's a chore. And depending on the level of the person you get, like some people, and really everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. Everyone's the same, but some people are more busy than others, right? So if you're an author, a lot of people want to talk to you and then you have to go through people and it's a lot of back and forth. Um, but twice, twice last week, I, sh- I, feel like, I feel like I should admit this on the show, but twice last week I was stood up. Ooh. I won't say their names, but they are well-known individuals <clears throat> on the YouTubes and the other one's on Travel Channel. I feel like I know who one of them was. You said you were inter- interviewing somebody okay, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Was I was one? pissed. Yeah, mm. I was all ready to go, and we confirmed, and then I sat down. And here's the thing: we're we're it's independent. This is independent. This is the new. This is the new way to get information. Is for people to just share, right? For people to get on, record their stuff, and and share it with the world, right? So, yeah. so whether I have five thousand listeners or ten thousand listeners or a million listeners. The, He's got 100 listeners. 127, to be exact. Uh, 27 is more like it. But the, uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess you're getting your point across to people. And if you're listening to someone via this platform, you're really interested in what they have to say. So if you were to go on like a bigger show, you might reach, still reach the same amount of people, I think. That's the way I look at it. Or not. Or I'm small time, small potatoes, which I am. And I don't know. They just decided to blow me off. Yeah, I was pissed. So, Well, why couldn't they have blown you off to begin with? Because, I mean, you're reaching out to them online, right? Yeah, yeah. So they can just ignore it. Why mean? didn't they do that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. No, because we went back and forth. One of them said, oh, I had the day wrong. Okay. The other one <laughs> just never... I just didn't hear from him. I was like, sitting ready, hit it. Hit the record button, called him up, nothing. I was like, dude. I, I called him like three times, gave him the benefit of the doubt, and then right. the last one, I just sent him a message, dude, question mark. And that's it. You know what? The old me would keep just like a, a battered girlfriend. <laughs> what? <laughs> would keep going back and keep going, but not anymore. Not me. Because um, that's just the way They're I They're done. 
Those mm-hmm. people are out. Okay. So if you recognize the voice, Savannah Steele is back on two episodes in a row. Um, oh, that was the other thing. We did the, what's it called? Reunion show. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. I was like enjoying that conversation. I even enjoyed editing it. I liked the conversation we had. Yeah. So I was like, it, so I got blown off. And then I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to interviews. Interviewing is hard. You got to read. You got to, and you got to, some people just aren't good interviews. So I have a bunch that never made it on air. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a different beast. Hmm. But sitting and talking with people that, that have similar, or just interesting, and it's not interviewing, it's conversation. Sounds like me, yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot more, I just enjoy it. So I'm going to try to do more of these. Cool. Uh, even though next week I have an interview with uh, Joel Harbroker. Sorry, Joel. Um, we've been trying to get together for a while. He's a author on leadership. Should be fun. Cool. So you're wearing yellow glasses? Yeah. So I've been... I don't like the term biohack. Do you still use it? I love that term. What's wrong really? with it? Well, now you make me feel like a loser for you. I, but I liked the term before it got popular. That's okay. why I feel like I can still like it. Whereas now it's so popular. If you're using it, you're, you're a faker. Is that like if you like something when it wasn't popular, does that make it, that makes you a, um, what is an it? early adopter? No, there's a name for it. The people that have Futurist? Like beards and, and Santa Claus? No, <laughs> they, they were, you know, the old school people. They work as baristas, and they're like, "Oh, I a hipster." A, yeah, hipster. Hipsters what? like things before they were cool. Oh, gosh, I know. I don't know. Biohack. Like, it's I just know a lot involved. of people. Are, a lot of people are kind of shitting on the the term nowadays. I don't know why. Um, I guess because it's. I don't know why. I just know a lot of people don't like that term. Maybe because it makes them feel badly about themselves. Because biohackers are people who. I mean, we're trying to sort of improve we're you always we, trying to tweak so you, things you put yourself in that group i know i'm totally a bad biohacker <laughs> too I, I really don't deserve that name but ah. but we are always they are always trying to tweak things to make you can say we performance you're to do mental all those physical important uh, and performance better mm-hmm. and so maybe people who don't want to go the extreme go to the extreme to mm-hmm. get better maybe it makes them feel bad and so then they make fun of people who are biohackers i make okay that up, but, i could see that um I guess so then technically I'm a biohacker because I'm constantly you doing experiments. Are. Yeah. I, mean, I would say I'm a, I'm a medical provider that likes to think outside the box, but I don't want people to do things that I don't do myself. And as such, I've learned different ways to become more of a adaptable human versus a the herd right now are, are all the herd meaning the general population are all insulin resistant they're all obese they're all um on medicines not all you know what i mean a big big chunk of them uh and i I don't want to go down that route so i just basically follow what what i think humans are supposed to do and i read a lot up on it so the yellow glasses yeah uh at seven o'clock i try to do a circadian rhythm type of of lifestyle so at seven o'clock i don't want blue light affecting my or hitting my retinas because blue light will uh, stop your body's melatonin response yep. and it messes up your circadian rhythm. So every night, I've only been doing this about two weeks, but I, I find that it works. Um, I put on my, my blue glasses right around seven o'clock. I don't need glasses. Blue do, blockers, you mean? Yeah. Well, aren't those, weren't blue blockers from like the 80s? Weren't they some sort of... I don't know. Do you remember that? It but was you're like, wearing yellow glasses. I mean, so where did you get those? Because they can be like... I don't know. Yellow glasses aren't necessarily blue blockers all the time, I think. Well, I specifically looked for um, 
I don't know. There's a there's a wavelength. It's like blue light, I guess. Blue light blocking yep. glasses. Blue blockers. Okay. Yeah. So and then most of them are this kind of yellow. Uh, these ones weren't as bad. Some of them will look you'll look really weird. Yeah. Um, these ones I don't think. I mean, maybe you can tell. I just I could barely tell. Okay. Yeah. I was surprised. Yeah, they're not like my reading glasses, which I don't even know where they are. Do you know what? I I don't wear reading glasses because I need them more because I'm lazy. It's so much easier to put them on. And then have something just look very closer. You don't have to very closer, is what I said. Yeah, so I do that. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, and and you're you said right now you're in the midst of a fast. How long have you been fasting for? Oh no, I mean I fa- I did my fast last week. I'm oh. done with that. Yeah. So what's going on today? Oh, today. Well, I just decided that until I'm super super slim, I'm go- I'm going to try and do a five two, just where I don't eat two days, and then I can eat because I can't. I'm the kind of person I can't do a prolonged, um, what's the word, period of self abnegation. I have to like have. I have to be able to know that I can eat whatever the hell I want at any point in time. Mm-hmm. And so if, if I can just have these days where I'm really in extreme, like a day of fasting is a pretty extreme day. Um, that's, that actually fits my personality better. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, and theoretically you're supposed to lose weight, but I think I'm not even budging at all. And I, I'm starting to think that it's because I drink too many drinks. I drink too much alcohol. Oh, during your fast? No. Oh, okay. No, but on the off days, you know, I think I can have whatever I want. So then I I drink and I I think it's really damaging. The problem with, with uh, with alcohol is that not that it, it makes you gain weight because, or it prevents you from losing weight because it takes over as your primary source of fuel. Yeah. When that gets introduced to your body, your body's like, I got to get rid of this stuff and everything else kind of gets put to the wayside. Yeah. Store it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, it. If you want to truly get to your, and it sounds like, I sound like a fuddy-duddy, but it's, if you want to get to your true, like, human adapted state, I like that, I'm going to coin that, you you have to be the party pooper and be like, no, I don't drink. And, yeah. And, and yeah, it sucks. And Can I, I don't at least drink, drink once a week, though? I feel like I should be able to do that. You should. You should be able to do that because they did a, a experiment with mice and they did intermittent fasting. Yeah. And on they did a 5-2 type of thing where five days a week they did intermittent fasting. Two days a week was kind of like their weekend for the oh, mice. Gosh. And, and they did just as well as the seven day in a row. So and then there's there's all sorts of there's a great new flick out called fasting. I think it's just called fasting. A flick. It, a flick. It's on um, Amazon and it's got a lot of good information. I mean, I'm I'm really well read on fasting and I've done every protocol. And as far as, as getting the information in there, I mean, it's got Jason Fung, who's like the godfather of the fasting protocol. He's a kidney doctor, right? Mm -hmm, Nephrologist. Um, And so it's got, it's got, it's got lots of good, lots of good information from, from legit folks. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's on Netflix. But what, what, so I, I've, I've tried a bunch of different things. I did a, 72 hour this year, which wasn't that bad. So, and I wanted to touch on that when you said, um, I don't use a big word that I didn't understand. You said you like self abnegation. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why it was the only way I I could think of another way to express myself. I can't, I'm not good at, um, is that like self flogging? Like you, something, self flagellation. (laughs) Flagellation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it just, uh, denying oneself. Okay. 
like for fasting con- is a good example yeah, yeah, yeah. of self abnegation. But is it like is it controlling? Is it like you it gives you control or what? What is it that uh, about? Well, the, so the difference I was just say, I was just really pointing out to the difference oh. the differences. So some people are good at just g- being very moderate for long periods of time. Oh, okay, that's yeah. not me. Okay. I'm very extreme. Okay, so um, I can't withhold. I can't not have a McDonald's burger every once in a while or McDonald's French fries. Mm. Um, See. I've got my, and I don't want to sound like, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it's possible. Totally, you're about to brag big time. I got myself to the point where I don't want McDonald's French fries because I know how shitty I feel when I eat them. Yeah. That like when a cheat comes around, I'm like, ah, I'm not going to do that. It's so weird. I haven't had sugar yet this year. I haven't had okay. a piece of birthday cake. I haven't had any ice cream. Yeah, nobody wants to know that. I know. And, uh, but I used to be the biggest sugar addict. I mean, it would be yeah. 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, oh, I think I could eat. I mean, I put on. I didn't watch what I ate between September of last year, so we're almost at a, a year, mm-hmm. and December, and I went from like, I don't know, 170 pounds to like 198, right? That's almost 30 pounds. That's upward. Okay. Yeah, no, I was so higher than 175 to, I, I put on 20 pounds at least okay. in three months just because I was just eating. I was enjoying it's the Christmas holidays. Time, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, this is, that's bullshit. I, sh- I shouldn't be doing that. I'm 40 years old. Um, I also didn't want to, like, you're, you're causing damage that, that you can't see and you can't feel. So yeah. I got I got deep into it and I was like, you know what? I, I know I'm not going to live forever, but I don't want a stroke and I don't want a heart attack and yeah. I want to not be on medicines. And I had been paleo for a long time, no, at least two years, maybe a year and a half, something like that. But I wanted to, I was like, you know what? Here's the problem with it. And I was doing 5-2. So like two days, I would go 24 hours and eat a dinner and then I'd be like, oh, I didn't eat for 24 hours. I can eat some ice cream or I can eat some of that. Right? You kind of, it kind of felt like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. But then I wasn't getting, if I'm going to fast for 72 hours or 24 hours, I wanted to get the full gist of it. So I'm like, why would I turn around and, and destroy my house of cards? I want to keep going with this. What were you doing that was destroying the house? You so you're just saying, eating shit. Oh, okay. Just, so you, you would reward yourself and then you started thinking, man, I'm yeah. rewarding myself and I'm d- undoing all this good stuff. Yeah. Like, okay. Got it. And, and it was weird because I wasn't getting any healthier. I mean, I wanted to deadlift um, 400 pounds for my 40th birthday and I couldn't do it. I was just achy and, and um, like I just, for what I was doing, I wasn't getting the most out of it. And mm-hmm. then this year, going strict ketogenic for three months. Here's a weird thing I did ketogenic for three months and now, now I can't get out of it. Right. I'm eating. So the big thing is I'm eating mainly meats and vegetables. That's all I'm eating um, for the most part. Mostly meat or mostly vegetables? Uh, curiosity. It, it's hard to quantify because vegetables have more, have less mass. Mm-hmm. But I try, I'm shoveling vegetables down my throat because you, you need to eat a lot when you're on a ketogenic diet because it helps uh, detoxify the liver because your liver can get a little fatty. And I mean, I can't get out of ketosis. The only way I could get out of ketosis is if I ate some bread maybe or pasta, but I don't want to eat that because I feel freaking great. I'm sleeping like a baby. I used to, it was my norm to toss and turn, sleep for a half hour, wake up, toss and turn, sleep for an hour, wake up, toss, wake up in the morning, feel like shit, come downstairs, take a shower, go to work, drudge through my morning, take a nap at 1230 (laughs) at lunchtime, wake up see more patients, come home, fall asleep. I used to come home, eat dinner. And I mean, my kids were a lot younger than, but I would fall asleep right on the kitchen floor. I'd play with them and just be like, and that, that, you know, now this is four years later and I go, I, my head hits the pillow with my blue blockers. (laughs) I wear, I'm like an eye mask. So I can't see. Sometimes I listen to neural beats. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Neural beats are freaking, that's another. Binaural beats? Binaural beats. Yeah. 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 Um, 
we can get into that if you want. But uh, and now I boom, I'm out. And then I wake up the next day at like five. I hate the morning, yeah. but my body's like, dude, you're you're done. You don't need any more. Yeah. yeah. Um so that I feel so good that I go to like a birthday party or something and I see all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I know that for about a if I eat that and it takes me five minutes to eat it, it's gonna be wonderful. And it's gonna hit all those those receptors. Yeah, and it's yeah. gonna feel great. But afterwards I'm gonna be like, eh. Eh, what did I gain out of that? So that's that's how somehow I've reached this mindset. I yeah. don't know how it's happened, and I don't feel. Here's the other thing too: I don't feel like I am withholding anything from myself. I don't feel like I'm deprived. Yeah. So, and I think that's the secret to get people in. The other thing too is like I'm lifting more. I'm exercising more. I would say um, fat to lean muscle mass has gone through the roof from where I was at one point. I mean, this shirt used to be tight. I used to wear a lot of, like, that was my thing. I wore tighter t-shirts, <laughs> but they're all loose now. I don't, <laughs> so it definitely, it definitely works and it's not painful and yeah, I don't know. I'm going off. Was it painful when you first started getting into it? I mean, did you really mm-hmm. have to imagine? Because it know seems why hard. I question. Of course it was. No, it seems hard because, you know, we all eat so many carbohydrates Mm-hmm. So you think for lunch I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a sandwich. Oh, I can't have the sandwich. So what can I have? You're, count, you're counting all your carbs and everything. But I also incorporated a, a bit of fasting to it. So every three months I do a 72 hour water black coffee fast. Mm-hmm. And then every day, well, Monday through Friday, this is the old one. I'm actually changing it up this next week. I always change it because I feel like our ancestors changed. But from Monday through Thursday, I would only eat dinner. And then, so I'd eat at like 5 p.m. and then have some nuts and maybe some dark chocolate at like 8. So I'd have like a three-hour window. And then I was done again till the next day. So today, that's what I did. I, I ate dinner. It's all I've had tonight. What's your dinner? Uh, today we had bison tacos. Yum. But I just have the meat and I have a big, as many green vegetables as I can get in on top of it with cheese on it. And You can have cheese then. Yeah, yeah. Now, I... I Again, I could tweak it and take that away because mm-hmm. there's some data out there that says you shouldn't eat dairy. Some people can't tolerate dairy. And you can get a, a, a genetic test to see if you're okay with that. Some people are okay with dairy. I, I might, any little ailment that I have now, I'm so in tune to my body yeah. that I feel like I have all these complaints, but I really don't. I just know which, what's not working right. And I think if I could, if I maybe took out dairy, and t- I, I could see what would happen. I don't know. But I, I like heavy cream in my coffee. My sister and I both get psoriasis in mm. response to any any dairy. Okay. Like if I have a lot, if I go through a period of time where I'm really just indulging, because I love cheese. Yeah. Uh, I will erupt. Like my whole right upper thigh will just erupt with like the worst looking what's the what's that word for psoriatic whatever yeah, yeah. well they it, it's terrible it's called a silver scaling yep. patch really kind of yeah. looks like that yeah it's, it looks like i'm wearing like a scale or something so without like, dairy that goes scales. away and then it just goes away yeah which is proof positive that i tell a lot of my patients i'm like the root of the majority of these problems are are, are what you eat I'm yeah like, oh, come on not really and it sounds really like hippy dippy that? yeah they don't, they don't no, believe no, no. you most of them don't they're just taking their medicines i'm like no like someone comes in, chronic um, congestion, sneezing, coughing, sneezing, coughing, always have sinusitis, always have this. Well, something's going on. Your body's immune system's freaking out, and it's most likely, you know, pollens or molds or something like that. But we might be able to calm that down a little bit if we just take out the problematic things. Let's start with, I'm drinking kombucha, so I'm like 
burping too. I'm such a freaking hippie. What the hell happened to me? <laughs> yeah, that is bad. I'm like I'm having kombucha, <laughs> and then I try to do yoga six days a week, and I whatever. So I'm like, let, just for three months, let's just cut out the problematic things. Let's cut out dairy, and let's cut out wheat. Mm-hmm. Those are two big things. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to do. It's not going to be easy because no. your life is most people's lives are based on that. Yeah. But but the idea is just try it. See what happens. See how you feel. And then if you feel better, most likely you're going to lose like 20 pounds. If you feel better, let's go ahead and add one back for like three months. I'm here. I'm, I'm here in the long run. So if we want to do this over a couple of years, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard to get people to do that. Have you had any patients do it? I did. Um, I had this one guy. He actually... He inspired me. This is about two years ago, and this is where I changed from being a Western medicine guy. So, I mean, I I'm still am Western medicine. If mm-hmm. you come in with, you know, a cough, I'm going to get a chest X-ray, or I'm going to run some labs, take a look. But chronic issues. This guy had uh, pre-diabetes, or he might have even been full-blown diabetic. And I was talking to him, and uh, I was like, "Do you have diabetes or anything?" He's like, "Yeah, I have diabetes." I said, "Oh, okay. What medicines you're on?" He's like, "I'm not on any medicines." I'm like, "You're not talk- taking them." He said, no, no, my A1C is down to, you know, 4.8 and um, my blood sugar is under control. I was like, oh, so you don't, you don't have diabetes. He's like, no, 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 I have diabetes. I'm like, well, if your blood sugar is normal and you're not on medicine, dude, you don't have diabetes. You have the propensity for it mm-hmm. and you might have been in a diabetic state, but you don't have it anymore. So I was like, well, what did you do? He's like, well, for I, I've had this for five years. For three years, I went to this dietitian and she's telling me, eat eight servings of fruit and eat grains and eat oatmeal in the morning and eat all day long. And and he's like, I lost like four pounds over three years. And my A1C went from 9.8 to 9.2. He's like for three years of work and all I'm Mm. doing is taking medicines. And he's like, all this is bullshit. He's like, this is, I'm not doing what they're telling me to do. I'm going to cut out all my carbs, my processed carbs, eat as many vegetables as you want. And I'm just, I think that's all he did. And all of a sudden, boom, his, his weight dropped. He weighs like 170 pounds now, down from like 270, I think. And he's normal. So I'm like, you're cured. Yeah. So when, when that happened, I was like, it's, it's more than just, no, it's simpler than what we're, we're making out to be. The simple thing is, if your body is rejecting, like with psoriasis, you're putting something wrong into it. Yeah. And this is the result. Yeah. Just take that away. And, and most things should correct themselves. It's true. Even breast cancer responds to ketogenic diets. Is it really? Yeah. I thought that the Atkins did a lot of research. I looked into that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I do think if you know anybody who has can't, I can't imagine that it hurts to remove oh, yeah, re- try, refined carbs and yeah, lower yeah, your sugars. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I thought that it wasn't as helpful as um, like for glioblastoma. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it would cure it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's anecdotal data out there that people have gone without radiation and chemotherapy and have gone... To, like a true ketogenic diet, 95% of your calories are from fat. So they're yeah. just eating fat, burning fat. You have ketone levels of like seven or eight. Whoa, and they're the ones that's that like things. insane. Is yeah. that even, what are your levels? I've got mine up to seven during Holy my 72. Shit. Yeah. Do you know what's weird too? So <laughs> it's simple, but it's difficult. And I, I tell people that. Because wait, wait, wait. I, I interrupted you though. I, I want to hear what you're about to say, but you, you were going to finish the story about breast cancer. And oh, and, and people have seen it go into remission without any any therapy. Now, am I saying that, oh, take this oil and cure your cancer? No, but 
our bodies have been around for 200,000 years and our ancestors or cousins or whatever they were have been around for millions of years. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think our bodies know how to repair itself. And I think cancer is more of a, um, call it a biomarker, almost like inflammation. Mm-hmm. Cancer is your body saying something's not going on. Something, something isn't working right. And this is the result. Yeah. And if you fix that, you know, maybe you can at least, you know, chemotherapeutic agents are obviously they save lives and stuff, but, and, and some cancers need that. They do. But yeah. if you can, um, actually there's data out there that if you go ketogenic, it helps the effects of chemotherapy. Now some cancers run on fat. So mm, you're kind of screwing yourself in that case. At uh, ASCO, they actually said they, they were looking at, um, the bi- microbiome. So the okay. bugs that live in your gut, they were actually looking at people's gut bugs and mm-hmm. noticing trends where they're, um, ke- they're not chemotherapy, but they're, um, so now the new thing in cancer is not chemotherapy. It's, it's now, um, something that it's a drug that hel- helps train your immune system to right. attack your own cancer. Right. It's very effective. I mean, it, it's in some patients, it could be highly effective, but they were noticing a trend where the micro, if you had like a, a certain kind of microbiome marker, so mm-hmm. the bacteria basically in your gut, um, is of a certain composition, you would respond dramatically better to um, these immune char- targeting agents. They actually study. They'll go to like hunter-gatherer tribes and study their um, gut microbiome mm-hmm. and look at it and see how it, I don't know, see how I guess we used to run versus um, like modern day folks. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of science out there. Uh, Rob Wolf is really into the gut. Oh, I yeah. Mean, that's all he talks about. Is, I love that dude. Yeah. Um, I don't know a ton about it. I try to I try to keep my gut healthy, I guess, yeah. by cuz I'm doing everything well, else. I'm like I'll drink some kombucha and the bacteria take a in your gut are heavily affected by the processed food that you eat. So, sure. and vegetables is like I mean, I think a lot of those, well maybe not vegetables. I'm not really sure if they would be the they would have like the prebiotics that the healthy bacteria would feed on. Yeah, there's there's types of prebiotics like potatoes. I know. Potatoes, are, a, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know a lot. That's one of the things I don't know a lot about. Maybe that'll be my next thing I learn about. <clears throat> well, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I just know that if you have a health, but it gets confusing too, because what is a healthy gut microbiome for you may not be for someone else. Someone who has African ancestors versus someone who has Asian ancestors, their, their guts developed different, right? Um, the Maasai drink like 15 gallons of milk a day and, and eat meat. That's their diet. And Asians eat a lot of plant-based. So, so that's obviously going to affect your, your, right. your, your GI system. And, and I remember back in PA school, I don't, I don't even know, whatever class it was, I think it was neurology. The guy said, and don't forget your third brain. He said, your gut. And I was like, what? Because we, we say you have two, two nervous systems. You have your central and your peripheral. Mm-hmm. So you, you technically have two brains working in conjunction with each other. One of them is spread throughout your body. The other one is centralized, central nervous system, peripheral nervous system. And he said, um, yeah, and then there's your gut. It's like its own brain. And I, I that just kind of went to the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. But I never gave it much credence because it didn't really change any of the way I did medicine or anything like that. And now you're starting to see that. In fact, I think there's a movie called Second Brain or something like that. And it's it's all about the the gut brain whatever it's called there the gut brain 
There's a name for it, uh, Axis or something like that. I think that was it. <laughs> really? The gut brain Axis? Yeah, that it sounds, sounds right. right, to me, right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so when you fast and now that you've been eating really healthy, mm-hmm. have you noticed that it affects, so, I mean, we know that it affects our physical health and probably yeah. even your mental health. It seems like you're in oh. a better mood, you're waking up earlier. Sure. Does it affect like your motivation to get shit done? Like, are you more inspired to do, sh- I don't know, projects? Because you seem like the kind of, you were always doing stuff. Yeah. And I will often do nothing. <laughs> I I don't know what that is. I don't think that has anything to do with okay, diet. my personality flaw. All right. <laughs> it takes, do you, do you know Jocko Willink? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you read any of his books? Yeah, I know him personally. No, I know who he is. <laughs> He's all about discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, he has one where I would, maybe I'll put a little clip on here. Um, a sound clip, but he has one where he, here, let's, let's do this. Good. Okay, here we go. I'm just going to play it and see how well this works. What do you do on the days when you're just not feeling it? Those days. (laughs) Those days when I'm tired or worn out or just basically sick of the grind. What do I do on those days? I go anyways. I get it done. Even if I'm just going through the motions, I go through the motions. I don't really want to work out. I work out. I I really don't want to hammer on a project. I hammer on the project. Don't really want to get up and get out of bed. I get up and get out of bed. Now, these could be signals that you need some time off. And those signals might be right. They could be correct. But don't take today off. Not today. Wait until tomorrow. Don't don't give in to the immediate gratification that is whispering in your ear shut that down do not listen to that little voice instead go through the motions lift the weights sprint the hill work on the project get out of bed now as an overall rule i do not like procrastination you need to get things done If you are going to rest, that is one thing that you should procrastinate on. That's the one thing I want you to put off until tomorrow. And if, when tomorrow comes, you still feel like you need to rest or you need to take a break, then okay. Take it. But the chances are you won't. You won't need that rest. Chances are you will realize that the desire to rest was just weakness. It was just the desire to take the path of least resistance, the downhill path, the easy path. And by simply going through the motions, you overcame that path. 
and you stayed on the righteous path, the disciplined path, you stayed on the war path. Which is right where you know that you belong. So, I mean, it's it can be cheesy. It can be a little cheesy, but goddamn, that's inspiring. <laughs> I think there's a certain kind of person who's inspired by that. Really? Yeah, I think I'm not. Really? Yeah, if I'm ever, I, I trust myself. Like, when I feel tired, it's because I need to rest. And yeah. I usually will get back to it the next day. Yeah, this guy's a SEAL. I mean, Navy I SEALs don't quit. I mean, yeah. they literally fight to their last dying breath. I yeah. mean, that's their 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 MO. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, that's why they're so successful. You know? Are they? Uh, yeah, they're usually, usually, I mean, I'm sure there's a group that isn't, but... If you're if you're motivated to be a, a Navy SEAL and to get through that training, mm-hmm. then I don't think anything else in the world can. I mean, what else can get you? What else can stop you? Nothing. Yeah, machine guns aren't going to stop you. Mm. Bombs aren't going to stop you. A cold is not going to stop you. Look at Marcus Luttrell. He he dragged himself. The lone survivor. You should read that book. He wants some inspiration. That guy was just I'm not going to die, and he was the only one that survived out of I think 32 of them died. What happened? Uh, they were in a in a firefight, him and his, he had a, a four-man team in the, uh, I want to say, it might have been Korangal. It was up in Afghanistan. And they got, uh, they were supposed to just be uh, observers, and they got um, found, and they had this big gunfight. And then a helicopter came in, and that got shot down. And it's a great story. I mean, it's a horrible story, but it's, it's you know, impressive to see what this guy what this guy did. But um, so that was my long way of, of answering the question. It's just... If if I sit there watching TV, I know that that's not what humans are meant to do, right? right. We're meant to do something. I, I like to create. Yeah. So I make it a point to write or, and, and I'll go, I mean, at the end of this, I'll go and watch the rest of the ball game or something like that. Cause I, but I feel guilty. I feel like I have to be doing something. I don't like not doing something. Yeah. So I try to, and that's why my wife laughs at me because I start 50 projects I don't finish them. <laughs> I finished a couple like this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least they're not, they're not thrown away. They're still, I write them down and I have books. I have tons of notebooks with just my ideas in there. Mm-hmm. I had a guy on Chris Dennison. Um, he talks about that. Like he'll, he'll have an idea. It'll be great. And he'll write it down and then just not see it for like three years and then revisit it and be like, oh yeah. And kind of work it from there. So I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't want to die and not <laughs> have done anything, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think I definitely can relate to that. So watching TV is extremely depressing after you've done it. <laughs> it's just like eating the ba- the wrong food. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I have been known to binge on Netflix, but I guess the, for me, I just need to I have, I, I have, I'm like a roller coaster. Sometimes I'm really motivated and I get lots of stuff done. And then other times I'm just like, okay, it's not now. Now I'm not going to be doing anything. I'm just going to not, I'm going to be lazy. I do. I mean, I do that. I have days where I'm just like, it's rare, but I do it. Like, I mean, and plus I have two little kids, so it's hard to have a day where I don't do anything. Cause even, even in that, if my kids are outside playing and I'm on the couch, I'm like, I can't do this. They're going to be old someday. So then I got to go out there. I mean, I have to go play, play with them. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what it is. I, I guess it's just, um, motivation somehow. I don't, I don't know. So, um, what have you noticed with the yellow blockers? Have you really noticed a big difference? 
I track my sleep, right? I track my, I, I, I have what's called a biostrap. I was interested in this versus the Quora. Quora? That's not the Aura. Aura. Is that what it's called? The Aura ring? No, no, no. This is just a ring. But oh. um, they have an Aura ring, right? Which is, um, mm-hmm. it, it tracks um, biometrics. Yeah. Well, this is basically an Aura ring, but it's a strap. So it, it has a lot of the same functionality, half the price. And um, yeah, it's called Biostrap. I'm mm-hmm. not, they're not sponsors, but check out Biostrap. I think it's .com. So I'm tracking data from that where I wasn't wearing, the, you know, I just try different ways to get to sleep and to prepare myself for sleep. And I can see that if I get a good night's sleep, my parasympathetic nervous system, I, I track heart rate variability. You do? Yeah. With that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if my variability is elevated, that's a good thing. That right. means your parasympathetic system, you're you're in your rest and digest period. So you're not you're not tense. stressed and stressed. tensed. Yeah. Okay. But if my variability gets drops and my heart rate goes up, then I'm my sympathetic system's kicking in, and either I'm getting sick or I'm not sleeping well or I'm stressed about something. Like when I went for we drove up to New Hampshire, uh, two. Uh, two trips, 16 hours up, 16 hours back. During those trips, because I don't like to sit in a car, I hate it, my heart rate variability plummeted and my heart rate went up. Mm-hmm. And even like my my breaths, like I breathe more. It tracks your, your breathing. It tracks a lot of your blood oxygenation. Um, I don't know why I would track blood oxygenation. I guess it helps you f- to know if you're not breathing when you sleep. I guess it's a, like the poor man's way of seeing if you're sleep apneic. Mm-hmm. But um. Yeah, during the day doesn't, but I, I can, I mean, it does track it, but I don't look at that because it's always 99, 100. But my, as my um, breath rate increases, my respiratory rate increases, that's another sign. So I'm using it to kind of track my stress level. Nice. Which I don't have stress. I see that. I, I don't have stress. I, I guess everyone does, but it's not like, you know, the people that are just like, ah, yeah. ah I got so much going on. And you're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, you don't want to know. I'm like, yeah, I guess I don't. <laughs> I don't know how people live like that. Yeah. No, no, you're, you don't seem that way. I, I think I work with a lot of people who are like that. Yeah. I think people feel like they have to feel that. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's sort of part. It's that's what life is, is to feel stress. Yeah. No, it can't be enjoyable. Right. When I was a officer in the Air Force, I was very type a i was way different um you're still type a i would say no i don't wait isn't how would you describe type a well i mean the motivation part that's a type a quality oh and you probably i would imagine that you're by the book i mean in many ways um maybe well well no i mean i was very type a so Mm -hmm. now i guess if you're if you're a type for the rest of your life or if that's just how your brain's wired, then yeah. But I guess I'm more of a mellow type yeah, A. Yeah. yeah. I think you can be both. Ah. That's my theory. Because I've been type A, but I also think I, I'm I'm good about recognizing that stress is not enjoyable. It's not the no. way I'm going to live my life. I used to flip out. I mean, I was like, Grr! I used to hulk out like if I got angry in the Air Force. <laughs> yeah. And now I don't think, I've never yelled at my kids. I've never yelled at anyone in my family uh, since I've been married. I don't yell. I don't get... I think if you were going to yell at them, that would have happened by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so would. how old are your kids? Four and five. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I just, I don't know. It's not worth it. You feel so much better. I mean, I. You're right. I think some people think they have to be like that, and that's. You don't have to. You don't have to be, and you also don't have to be anything. You don't have to 
feel the way you feel for the rest of your life. There's no, nothing that says that that's the way you're wired. Right. You're wired to be anxious and worry about everything. I used to be anxious. When I got out of the Air Force, I was really anxious. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What, I was, what happened? Um, just a lot of things. As a navigator on a, on a C-130, there's not a lot in, in control, right? So I didn't fly the airplane, but I was the navigator. So I ran all the weapon systems, and I, I told the plane basically where we were and how to get there and things like that. Um, people shot at us. I couldn't shoot back. Like it was very, it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant. Uh, I, it's weird. I didn't not enjoy it. Did I just use two double? You know what I mean? You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as, yeah. as it was exciting. It was a young guy, you know, with my team would go into a hostile area. It was exciting. I mean, it was yeah. really, really cool. Um, and so when I look back on it, people are like, oh, if you don't want to talk about it, it's like, shut up. All right. No, I, uh-uh. And do you know, a lot of people will feel that way. A lot mm-hmm. of military people will be like, and, and they might even harbor guilt to it. You know, I enjoyed my time in Iraq. It sucked. It was awful. I hated it, I guess. Being there, it's not fun. But when you look at it, you're like, I miss it. That was... It, Exciting, it was a, exhilarating. Yeah, yeah, there was something about it. And and you miss your team. You miss your group. You miss... It's, it's just a weird thing. It's, you can't really describe it unless you've done something like that. Yeah. But... um. I forgot why we, we got onto that. I was asking why you were anxious, but what what I meant was oh. how did you not how did you become unanxious? Was it just basically now that you were out of Iraq, you were fine? Yeah, I came back and I I I was very aggressive because I was looking for a fight because I couldn't fight in the airplane. Yeah, so I was just looking for that fight. Very aggressive, like um, that's where I think that's how I in my mind picture um, Type A being like. Arr! So like that's when I got into boxing and mixed martial arts and jujitsu, and I was I was fighting something that wasn't there, you know, because I couldn't pick a fight. I mean, the fight had already happened, but I was still living it, so that was making me very anxious. I had a lot of nightmares and stuff, and then I, I don't know what I, I do. You know what? Honestly, do you know what changed it completely? Was changing my diet, was going paleo because yeah, this was up till two years ago. So I've been out of that. I haven't been to Iraq in twelve years. So yeah, I lived like that for 10 years. So let's say two years ago, I went strict paleo. That's when things started going away. Now, I, I wasn't like I was in my 20s. So two years ago, I was way more mellow than I was, but I still wasn't sleeping. I was still anxious. I yeah. guess that's what I kind of harbored. I had an anxiety, like an under or a, a low level of anxiety that I carried with me. But that's gone. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, that might have something to do with the gut the gut thing right because they say a lot of yeah yeah absolutely you you have the serotonin receptors in your gut and so if you're feeding um i guess if you're feeding the bacteria wrong the wrong type of thing then maybe they get either overstimulated or understimulated yeah so then they start putting out chemicals saying hey get me the right thing i would think maybe yeah or an inflammation if your body's not responding well to shit that you're sticking into it your your GI system gets inflamed, and those those they're not going to just sit there. You know, mm-hmm. you've got high levels of interleukins, all these these uh, tumor tumor necrosis like these are all uh, cellular chemicals that are used for communication. And if they start pumping up in your GI system, they're going to go throughout your body. Yeah, I mean they they think that um, schizophrenia is an inflammatory condition. Really, it's based on inflammation. Yeah. Wow. So if you can control, and there's data out there that autism, they put right. kids on a, a ketogenic diet, their autism scores improve. Uh, the magic bullet, I keep calling it that, the magic pill. 
Uh, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Um, well, Chris Kresser had a whole... Did you listen to that podcast he did where he talked about there was a kid, he gave like a case study, a kid who was completely intractable. Like was this with on Mark behavioral issue? Maybe it was. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember, I've been trying to find that episode because there's, a, and that's when he was talking about the potatoes, right? Putting people on he the potato have, diet. Yeah. yeah. I've been usually looking don't. for that episode. I can't find it because I listened to it once. I was like, that was great. And I can't, because I want to reference some of the stuff he talks about in there. Maybe it was Marxism. But yeah, I mean, just for anybody who hasn't heard about that the kid had such bad behavioral issues i mean they the, his teachers couldn't control him i think they sent him to all different kinds of psychiatrists i imagine he was on any drug that they can probably put out put in him mm-hmm. and i mean he was just i i don't know exactly what the nature of the behavioral issue was but it was very it was unbearable for the parents yeah he, he was so bad and chris Kresser put him on a diet and that's it that was the it. story. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, crazy. it's, it's as a practitioner, I, I, I'm convinced that I could eliminate 75% of the pills that people are on mm-hmm. if they just clean up their diet, convinced about it. And then if they'd fall like some sort of intermittent fasting, whether that's a circadian rhythm, which I, that's, I, I, uh, I was going to say that earlier is that I'm going to next week switch to a circadian I still like intermittent fasting. So the circadian says uh, nothing after seven. Um, and then you can eat again at six or seven in the morning. So you're nothing doing like a 12 hours. 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you eat the next morning at 6 a.m.? Yeah, six or seven, whatever. whatever. I think it's a 12-hour fast. 12, okay. And then there's data out there that if you do that alone, mm-hmm. I'm just going to eat 12, hour, 12 hours between seven and seven. Then people lose weight. They Their blood pressure corrects or blood sugars correct because there's this this pathway in your body like your liver works on a circadian clock um your digestive system your body's production of insulin works on a circadian rhythm and it all shuts down and it gets into like a resting state and if at 10 o'clock at night you give it a bolus of glucose or anything then all those things have to wake up again and it messes everything up and then if your insulin levels rise and well you're going to store more of those calories rather than uh use them as energy so I'm going to try that. I'm going to try, um, but I, I also, I feel a lot better when I eat in that two to four hour window. I don't like breakfast and I don't like lunch. Mm, breakfast like, is the best. No. What do you well, mean? Bacon, well, see, eggs? Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I enjoy breakfast. I should say that, but I don't enjoy eating, eating in the day. morning. I just wake up and I have my coffee. Sometimes I'll put like a half a tablespoon of heavy cream in there. Can you wait? W- quick question. Uh-huh. Can you wait until seven before, like in, when you're doing this diurnal thing, can you uh-huh. wait until seven before you drink your black coffee or your... Yeah. Yeah. I probably could. And I probably will. I yeah. might push that back. Um, the tough thing is eating at night. Because let's say it's 8.30 and I'm watching something stupid, <laughs> watching a baseball game. I'm like, oh, I could use some cashews right now or something like that. Uh, so I enjoy that. That's, but again, if you're going to make changes, you have to overcome the little joys that you're... You just have to find joy in other things, you mm-hmm. know? And, and the problem with it, going back to my patients, trying to get them to change what they eat, going back to it is these aren't just joys. Like if someone... Here's a, a eye-opening aha moment I had. Dove, actually, I was talking to Jason Sieb on this podcast of six months ago, and he had mentioned that Dove had done a like the soap had mm-hmm. done a what do you call it campaign advertising campaign something like that where they asked oh a survey where they asked women if they <laughs> thought they were beautiful yeah okay 
And it was something like 98% of American women didn't think they were beautiful, right? So that's very eye-opening. That means the majority of women don't, don't think they're attractive. So that means I have to interpolate that the majority of those women, women's, <laughs> the majority of them women's don't like themselves. So let's say that you feel like crap. You're on 16 medicines. Uh, you weigh 275 pounds. And you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and you're like, ugh, this person again. And so and that's, that's not like, that's dislike, right? People treat their dogs and cats better than they treat themselves. So they start their day off like that, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to go downstairs and have a honey bun. Oh, wait, Kevin told me I can't have that. So now that one joy, that one mega bolus of hyperpalatable deliciousness yeah that gave them endorphin rush for a minute they feel great about themselves everything is good i'm taking that away so now they have to look at themselves and feel like shit for a while until they say here's the thing you yeah you're, you're not going to like yourself you're going to be moody and you're going to go downstairs and instead of having that honey bun you're going to have bacon and eggs and it's not going to give you your brain it's hyper palatable. So, uh, bacon eggs aren't hyper, it's normal palate. So for the listeners, think about it. Like if you go outside and everything is in neon colors, you're on LSD. So you're like, ah, and then you take that away and everything's just kind of subdued natural colors, but natural colors that used to be the LSD colors, like our baseline changed. So you got to somehow get it to the reward becomes that, that bacon and eggs, or you take away the reward altogether. And then, you know, two weeks goes by and you're like, Hey, my pants fit. Hey, I'm sleeping, you know? Hey, uh, I, I, my blood pressure's so low, I'm coming off the medicine. And then you're like, oh, we're, we're getting somewhere. When you reach that point, now how to get people to love themselves, I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, as somebody who does surveys for a living, I would have to see that one to see. Because, I mean, I'm sure Dove, it's part of a campaign, so they probably worded it in a way. I mean, if you ask me if I think I'm beautiful, that's a little ridiculous. That's a, yeah. that's a pretty extreme word. But I wouldn't say I don't think I'm. I think I'm perfectly, you know, attractive to certain people. I'm not that, but I'm not ridiculous. I don't think I'm some movie star. Well, I think it was a number of things. Um, research finds beauty pressures up and women. Blah, blah 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 blah. Dove Women's Body Image Study, 2016. So let's see what what this says here. Uh, it's perhaps the scariest statistic you'll ever read today. Well, women hate their body more than ever. Critical, da, 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 da. more than 10,500 women and girls were questioned as part of the dub, dove. I've, I still wear these damn braces and they make it hard for me to talk because they get kind of stuck. Maybe you can't see the screen because you're wearing those yellow glasses. No, I can see it and I'm feeling more primal. <laughs> uh, 10, 000, basically 10,500 people were asked questions. Let's see what they were asked. Uh, the responses for Australia, the world, well, it's like 20 paragraphs long, but percentage of women who feel body confident, South Africa, 64%, Russia, 45%, India, 40%. I would imagine India. Well, no, India has got like a big pop culture scene and pop culture usually means you're going to have a lot of bikinis and stuff like that. China, 37%. That's weird to me. Because most Chinese are, no, they're having an explosion of diabetes right now. So yeah, okay, I can see that. Brazil, 27%. Well, there's, Brazil is the land of beautiful women. That's oh, where like half of our supermodels come that's from. That's right. So you, you, you're 
comparing yourself to, okay, U.S. 24%. So, okay, those numbers are a little different, but only 24% in the U.S. That means 76% of women are like, eh, Japan, 8%. Can I say I've noticed something like in the past, I really want to say it's literally in the past maybe year. Mm -hmm. I feel like just in a short period of time, and I know we've been talking about the obesity epidemic, so that's the thing, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I've, noticed it just get worse before my eyes. Like Everybody noticed obese. people like blow up. Yeah. There was a woman that I work with. I hadn't seen her in a few years. And I mean, she was, she was probably like maybe my size whenever mm-hmm. she, when I last saw her and this time she was so big, she was wearing like those, that loose clothing. Oh, right. The people that I'm <laughs> very much trying not to a wear moo-moo. every day. I would wear a moo-moo. Something like that. It's going to be that. so damn comfortable. <laughs> but it was just, it was bizarre to me. And I just feel like I'm seeing more and more people just huge like it's i'm seeing the obesity epidemic balloon so to speak yeah in real time it seems like and and here's the problem too obesity we i guess a long time ago it was a um character flaw mm. but nowadays it's a toxic environment so so obesity is a symptom people are literally look at it like catching obesity right if obesity okay. was some sort of epidemic mm-hmm. and it is but you know what i mean a um uh contagious disease because it's not it's not it half is. the people it's not in their some fault cases it is there's actually a virus that oh they really have. yeah there's a book called the secret life of i mean people are are obese for many different reasons mm-hmm. but some of them are literally obese because of this virus really it's like a virus that you can get from chicken yeah <laughs> fried chicken with lots of contrast <laughs> it's a virus that you get from eating <laughs> chicken fried chicken every single day but still if if you take somebody and you raise them on a toxic diet, mm-hmm. right? And and over the last 30 years, that's what we're doing, right? Our, the kids are eating garbage, just garbage. I mean, you're giving them Lunchables. You're giving them wheat, th- even wheat thins. Oh, look, it says reduced fat. I don't care that some company put that in there. And yeah. they're saying it's reduced fat, so you think it's healthy and you buy it, you give it to your kids. I mean, it's heartbreaking because yeah. people think they're doing the right thing. And then you go to a high school or you go to even a grade school and you're like, oh, these, you know, look at all the chubby kids. There's, we used to have like one in each class. Now it's two thirds of the class. Yeah. And then the reward system of, you know, uh, dessert used to be at functions or, you know, a family event or something like that. Now it's just readily available everywhere. And when kids eat it or even adults eat it, it triggers a reward. And then it tells their body, sit and digest this because we don't know when we're going to get this again. Even though in today's day, day and age, we're going to get it whenever we want. Yeah. So we're, we're living in an evolutionary program, but we're, we're at least our, our minds are, are programmed to operate that way, but we live in this toxic environment. So people are literally, it's not their fault. But it's still, it's it's a social stigma. If you come in at 275 pounds, like, oh, you're lazy, you do this, you do that. And, yeah, but it, it really isn't. It Plus, when you look at obesity at the um, hormonal level, right, or at the cellular level, mm-hmm. when, you, when you really look at the pathophysiology of it, you realize that the, the easiest way to explain it is fat is almost like a tumor, right? And it's she, just... Yeah, the book I was talking about, she talks about fat as though it's, it's basically another organ that wants yeah. to stay. Yeah, it wants to stay. That's right. And it wants, it, it hijacks all your energy. So you eat a meal and the fat's like, give that to me. I'm going to take it. And then your cells are like, hey, you know, your muscle cells, your heart cells, your brain cells, they end up not getting the nutrients. So then you're hungry again. So people are eating 16 times a day and then they're eating the food that just perpetuates this. So some people 
you know, they might even be too far gone. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, I still think is, fasting will fix everything. Yeah, this is why I'm hoping that fasting helps to... So that's why I've done this, the five-day thing. So I've mm-hmm. done two two rounds of this five-day fasting mimicking diet. Okay, yeah. Spoiler alert, I have noticed no changes, unfortunately. But are you, are you exercising and stuff like that? During the diet, not too much because okay. like on a couple, like days two and three, you, you just get very, you're very tired and I didn't mm-hmm. want to stress myself out too much. On day four, I did some more, some exercise and then day five, I didn't really do much. What does it consist of? So it's, um, it's basically just a diet that's designed to give you something to eat, but your body doesn't really register it as food. So it's a high um, fat content, but low protein carb content. Okay. But it's still low in calories. Like you're not full anytime. Are you eating like bulletproof coffee or what is it that you're... Well, and he, the the author, Walter Longo, he recommend or the, he's the, the person who's pioneered the diet and done all this research at USC. He recommends getting off of everything like that, like caffeine. Okay. So I just thought, well, I'll do that. And I had a raging headache for two days. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably the worst headache of my life. Um, so, but you don't have to do that. Like if you're going to really just be in pain, you can have caffeine, he, yeah. he says. But I just thought, why not try to, you know, go at it all the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that so for five days. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he recommends it, you know, once a month for people who are trying to maybe get rid of some, some sort of autoimmune condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and theoretically, you're supposed to be able to go back to your normal diet after that. And um, you'll notice, you know, your body get healthier, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. And these autoimmune issues go away. I've noticed nothing. See, I have trouble telling people to do something for a short amount of time and then go back to the way you used to do things. Yeah. Because I think behaviorally, you're going... So you're in a rut, right? That's an old term from the Roman days because the carriages would literally dig out a rut in the roads. And so if you're in that rut, you're in a rut, you're going down the same path and it's hard to get yourself out of that rut. So that's where I came from. Um, But if your dietary habits are... History major in the house. (laughs) uh, If your dietary habits are causing um, pathology and, and whatever it may be, and you say, okay, I'm going to do a detox. I'm going to do something for six weeks. Okay, then what, right? Like what, what's going to happen after that? And I, I think personally the only way to, to change it is to – so I, I thought about this once when I have neighbors, they're, uh, they're kosher. And I don't remember what it was. Or maybe we were talking about it or something like that. We were talking about pork, eating pork. And I thought to myself – if you're kosher, pork isn't even in your world. It's not part of your world view. You're not going to eat it because you're kosher, right? So everything about you says, I don't eat kosher. It's not in my, or I don't eat pork. I don't eat shellfish. I don't do whatever. Because that's my worldview and that's who I am and that's, that's my existence, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they're not saying, oh, I don't eat pork on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, I, I want it, but I don't eat it, but I'm not going to eat it because on Wednesday, I can eat it again. So now it's staying in your realm, your sphere. Yeah. If you can remove yourself from your typical world and mm-hmm. you create a new world for yourself and call it paleo, call it vegan. Ugh, don't call it vegan. But if you wanted to, call it vegan. Call it whatever you want. Yeah. And then make that your world, yeah. right? Somehow make that your reality, your existence. So when it comes time to say, oh, uh, do you want pizza? We're having pizza for lunch. You're like, no, I don't eat pizza, but you know, have at it. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be 
everyone's problem. It's just your thing. Your thing is like for me, if we go get pizza, my parents who are up visiting them, they're like, um, let's have pizza. I'm like, feel free and don't let me stop you. But I'm just not, I don't eat it. It's not what I do. It's not wow. in my world. Yeah. So I forgot why Helen brought that up, but that's the, <laughs> well, trying I, to get people into, yeah. oh yeah. Okay. So that's something making a permanent change. But it, it, and you know, like let's say your aunt Mildred is turning ninety-seven, and you're—that's me. That's not how I think everyone should be. I think you should use food as a celebration. You know, your body is worthy of foods that are made with love or made with um, essence. You know what I mean? That's super hippie. Yeah, it is. But it's not like your body isn't worthy. Wait, am I saying this right? The food, like. Uh, uh, a frozen Elio's pizza isn't worthy of being put into your body. It's just not. It's garbage. It's filled with shit that's going to make you sick. Mm-hmm. So why would you do that to yourself? But your Aunt Mildred at her 97th birthday makes a banana cream pie that she makes every year. Okay, that's different, right? That's part of the celebration. Then, yeah, absolutely have at it. Hmm. it I think it depends on the kind of person because possibly – Possibly you're right, 100%, and that we all kind of just need to completely abstain. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, not completely. I mean, I, I said you can't have your Aunt Mildred's banana cream. Right. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, and maybe this is just something I have to uh, accept, but I've been, I keep thinking that I'd like to remove these items from my diet entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a party happens or, and I just feel so, I feel so deprived when I go to the yeah. party and I can't have everything. Cause it's that still, I want. it's still in your, you're in living, realm. yeah, you're living in that reality. And if so you you're take just it saying, away, if I do this long enough after a while, you think I'll, I'll, I'll get to a point where I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, and it, it could it. take six months, it could take nine months, it could take three months of living that way, building your new rut, yeah, <laughs> getting yourself in that new rut where it, it, it doesn't even become an issue. I mean, how many parties have I gone to where there's just stuff everywhere? And I, I eat what I, what I eat, right? Like we went to um, uh, my neighbor's crawfish boil, and there was tons of desserts and everything like that. But crawfish, that's paleo. Yeah, went to town on that. Uh, Is it good? No, I'm not. <laughs> I should. I say that. I say that. Uh, I, they were good in the recipe, but I don't. I don't dig on crawfish. I just, right. it's not my thing. They look like bugs, but they had, <laughs> they had, um, andouille sausage, which is one of my favorite. Mm. So I just go to town on andouille and eat the mushrooms and eat potatoes. Even then, even then I'll eat the potatoes. Yeah. Mm. I'm not a big potato guy, but, um, they're super cheap. Yeah. I, I would like to be a potato guy, but I don't tolerate carbs too well at all. So it's just a personal thing. I stay away from them. Good for you. Yeah. I was just looking at my notes because I was going to say um, there's a book called Paleo Cardiologist, which I read. I also think people can go annoying with it, which I'm probably am <laughs> probably really annoying with my uh, uh, level of dedication to it. Well, it's annoying to people like me, but I think it's because all it's just reflecting to me what I'm not doing that I should be. So it's you're you're not annoying. It's really how I'm taking it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And well, I'm not thinking about you. I'm actually thinking of another friend of mine who is very um, 
just disciplined and she mm-hmm. won't eat the nasty, you know, the stuff that I think is delicious. Yeah. And it makes me angry, but it shouldn't, I, I have no right to be angry. It's, it's all about me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the way that the paleo cardiologist, he was like, he got to the point where he's like, you know, get rid of all your carpets in your house because they have chemicals in it. And don't jog someplace where people wear perfume because those toxins. it's like, the book was all right, but then he started getting into that stuff. I'm like, dude, come on. Overkill. Yeah, stop. Stop yeah. with this. Like getting rid of your blinds because they can, they have phenylphenamine that, I don't know. It was, yes, it can get annoying too, I guess. But yeah, so this ended up being a... Um, uh, Diet, diet <laughs> podcast. Thing. Of what, course, my podcast, the one that I'm on, would be what all other, about food and diet. No, if you know, <laughs> like my obsession with it, I'm starting to become the person where people are like, "Don't invite Kevin because he's just <laughs> gonna make me feel bad." <laughs> but I don't tell. Here's the problem, too. It is. It's. It becomes dogmatic. People ask me a question, and I'm like, "Oh, glad you asked." And it's like, Kevin, shut up. All right, no one wants to hear that. But. I see it, right? This is if it wasn't my job, I probably wouldn't be as passionate about it. But I see so many sick people mm-hmm. and they don't know that they're dying. I mean, cuz they could live 25 years, but they could lose their toes and have a stroke and be on medicines, and not be able to play with their grandkids, and not be able to go on vacation here because they're sick during that time and they have pneumonia and they, that doesn't have to happen. Yeah. And I see it and it's not it's also not 50 years ago where it's like, "All right, Kevin, a few people are like that. Try to work. Everyone's sick." Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's all I think about because it's my job. Yeah. So I'm at work all day long thinking about it. Then I come home and I, um, I start stressing about it with myself. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I do need to chill out. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Well, uh, maybe. So I remember I had a doctor one time say, um, don't eat sugar. Yeah. She said that to me. And I know that to you that seems perfectly reasonable. And yeah. to her it probably did as well. But I remember in my brain right then, I was like, well, she doesn't really mean that. Oh, because really? Because I was like, you can't possibly expect me not to eat candy. Because I was, I mean, it was just very, so common in my diet at the time. Well, that's interesting to hear because I tell people that and I wonder why they don't do it. I'm like, it's so simple. You don't eat the sugar. And then they come back. I'm like, how'd you do? Well, I had a couple sodas. I had, well, that's not the rule. The rule is don't eat sugar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there has to be, I think that you have to do it in small ch- chunks, like find something, ask them about what they're, if you have time. I don't know if you even have time for this. Oh, I do. I, that's the, one of the beauties of my, my clinic is I have time with people, mm-hmm. which is different. It might be about listening to where you can make little changes that will have an impact that will inspire them to make the next change. I'm starting a, a program, uh, DPP. It's called Diabetes Prevention Program, and it's we're putting a lot. At least I'm putting a lot of effort into it. And what I think I'm going to do is have my folks just start off, just start off with their circadian. Eat breakfast. Yeah. Try not to snack. Eat lunch. Try not to snack. Eat dinner. Stop at seven. Nice. And let's start with that. Yeah. Very simple. You can look and be like, "Oh, should I eat that? Well, what time is it? Oh, it's seven thirty. Then no." <laughs> And see how they do. It's a good way to begin. That's a good plan. How's your podcast? Do you have your... Well, I've recorded some stuff, but I'm, I, I might be too much of a perfectionist. Are you so doing I'm it... I'm kind of working to figure out. Are you doing it like mics? Um, 
remember Mike's Make It a Double? Oh, was no. Very okay. His was highly produced, right? Yeah. Like, it yeah. sounded like something NPR would put out. It really was. Check I'm it out. I'm not doing that. Make It a Double podcast. Uh, I, think it, I think it's just called, well, just look up Make It a Double podcast. You'll find it. Um, so, are you trying to record on your own? I'm auditioning people. Okay. Because it's very, doing a, a solo show, which I've done before, are hard. Yeah. They're so hard to do because you're it. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it sounds, and I, I want it to be amusing. So I try to put in little jokes, but mm-hmm. when it's just me sitting there and making a joke, it just, it's really not funny. Yeah. It's hard. You need a good, you definitely need someone that can riff or, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, it's, I mean, that's, that's the fun of it. That's why I like doing this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you don't have any info. You're still, Oh no, it's a, it's a podcast about futurism. It's just, I mean, I'd like it to be amusing and lighthearted, but I'd also like to talk about um, new tech that's out there because there's a lot of really interesting stuff. What is what's on your radar right now that you're like, this is awesome. I can't wait till this comes up. Um, for me, 3D printing houses. Really? Yes. Is that not interesting? To- yeah, no, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, how does it work? Like you would have to have a tractor trailer size printer, right? Yeah, it's a pretty darn large uh, print, uh, printer it has like a nozzle mm-hmm. and it'll just go around and print i mean i think they had to really work and a few outfits have this g- going on right now so it's not just one company but yeah it just prints cement oh okay and right now it's cement but we know that there are there are other materials that can be 3d printed so graphene everything's about graphene is that is that's not 3d printable is it i don't know i don't know anything about it i just know people are talking about it <laughs> But I'm hoping that at some point, I mean, they'll just be able to 3D print a lot of different features into your house. But even if it's just a 3D printed cement house, yeah, to me, I like that. I mean, I think that's pretty rad. It's when, much cheaper and I could live wherever I want for a lot cheaper. One thing I never understood about the 3D printing was, let's say I wanted a mouse, right? Um, you can't 3D print a mouse. Well... That's another kind of interesting development or Mm -hmm. prediction. So there's another article that I was reading that said it was, uh, I think it was from Forbes and it was talking about three new tech advances that are going to be disruptive next year. And one of them was 3D metal printing. So we know we've had that, but I think the issue is that it's just so expensive Mm -hmm. that it's, and we're not going to have a 3D metal printer in our houses yet. Right. But we're getting to that point. And so you'll it's be becoming able to print a lot circuitry. And it, they implied that, yeah. Okay. I know that they've there's the p- possibility of 3D printing in one machine different materials, and so theoretically, it makes sense that you would be able to 3D print anything at that once that's refined. I guess it's hard to picture in because it, it's in its infancy. It's yeah. hard to imagine how like you could, you know, get the circuitry and the like or a gun, 3D printed guns. I mean, they're just building the basic frames for guns, but they still need to put the moving parts in. So it's hard to it's hard to wrap your head around a machine being able to put everything together with different materials. Well, the gun I thought was fine. It's just that it's it, because it's using like usually some sort of plastic. Once you shoot it, you only yeah, have it one breaking. bullet. I think they're working better now. Um, but yeah, they were be able to. They, it was basically a frame, like the AR fifteen. The lower receiver is the gun, but if you look at it, it's just this box. It's weird. It's the only part that's that's tracked by the, um, who is it, ATF? Something like that. American so, Tobacco no. Federation? <laughs> uh, 
Now I'm going to sound silly. Uh, alcohol, tobacco, firearms. Oh. oh. So the ATF, tra- I think it's the, them who track it. I don't remember. But um, yeah, if you ever looked at a lower receiver, you'd be like, that's a gun. I mean, it looks like a little metal box where you can kind of see where the trigger goes. So that's what they're printing because everything else you can just buy. I could go buy 90% of an AR-15, perfectly legal over the internet, and then print the lower receiver. Now I have a fully operational. And, and none of that's tracked. People can make barrels. People can make um, stocks. They can make all these things. None of it's tracked. You can make it completely legally. But then once you put that, that um, lower receiver in there, now it's a fully operational gun so that's that made sense to me because like okay you're building that piece okay but if you're gonna like fully print up a 3d operational glock 19 i can't i mean i i'm just not using my imagination i know it'll be able to be done but to me you would have to have four different machines working on different materials i guess that's possible if you have one nozzle that that can spit out different materials it can probably figure out how to I don't know, spit them out in the right place in the right configuration. As it's... It is pretty cool, the idea that something in someone's brain gets typed onto a keyboard and then it comes out somewhere else. That's kind of cool. I know, meaning like, that's a thought that someone just put into a machine and now it's, but I guess that's with everything, right? Yeah. I mean, 3D printing is pretty, I mean, it's pretty revolutionary to me. Yeah. Think about that. If you're driving down the road, right, hands on the steering wheel, that steering wheel was in someone's brain at some point. That was a thought. Those were neurons firing off, right? Because at one point, yeah. the guy was like, I'm going to make it look like this. And because it's a Buick, we're going to have these little things here. That's all in someone's brain. And then somehow it became physical for you to hold. You're holding someone's thought. You're holding someone's like breakfast. They ate breakfast. <laughs> it made them more creative. So then... They came up with this idea in your Buick, and now when you're driving it, you're driving the afterthought of someone's oatmeal. <laughs> Think about it, right? Isn't, isn't that what everything is? Like anything <laughs> physical? Um, here's a hard drive. It's got little ridges on it. Yeah. That was somebody's thought. Like that's a, this is a f- physical fruition of neurotransmitters. That's freaking wild. If it actually comes from the brain, but now isn't it possible that it, that our understanding of how the mind works is completely off in every possible way? I don't even, I don't, like the, the gut thing and that, I don't know anything. I just know that, so some people say our memory's all just in our brain, right? If you free someone's brain and then you thaw it out and all you have is the brain, is that, is that, is that the whole person, you know? maybe they maybe part of them is in their gut maybe part of them is you know because why why does just that i mean it's the central nervous system sure but why does that dictate everything who you are it may not i know we don't know i don't think we know so you could be this i could say is just a neurotransmitter but this could be constipation the guy had constipation thus he thought about the little ridges on this hard drive and now they're here in fruition that's it. Anything Yay. else? Well done. Nope, I'm good. All right. Um, go to the website, waitwhatif.com. Um, Savannah will eventually start tweeting out her podcast, um, but you can check her at Savvy Steel. Um, where, where I never tweet anything. I know, you got to get on the tweet. Well, do you do Instagram? 
No. I don't either. I should because that's what the kids are doing now. I want to reach more people. But I don't have anything to take pictures of. All my all my stuff is thought content. If you start taking pictures, you'll find more opportunities to take pictures. I, I wasn't using my phone to take pictures. And then I recently went on some vacation, like maybe a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And now I'm starting to realize. Because I... I realized I don't I don't capture the stuff and I I I like having the memories. So I started taking pictures and now I can find all different kinds of opportunities to take more pictures. We got again I got to have you back so we can talk about like the the whole idea that that we're getting these peripheral brains like Facebook is kind of a peripheral brain. It's mm-hmm. seeing, it's mapping our memories and that it's also someone else's content now. And they can market that. So someone, I could take your profile, mm-hmm. which is a snapshot of who you are. Look at the last 10 years of your activities. See what's going on with you and sell it to a corporation that will want to manipulate that in order to get profit. Like I sell uh, uh, rowing machines. I'm looking for people who are most likely to buy rowing machines. Oh, Facebook. Look at I have all these people that are into athletics and are into biohacking and into, I bet you if you advertise towards them, you're going to get more of a product. And maybe that's okay. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. That'll be for a future show. Until then, I need a good buzzword to leave with. You know, like some, until then. Keep waiting. Keep waiting. (laughs) Keep waiting. If what? Like us on Facebook.com slash WWI Podcast and at WWI Podcast on Twitter. Drop us a line at WaitsWhatIfPodcast at Yahoo.com. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Internet Radio. your listening experience. Now go forth and expand your reality.